Hello out there, Twitter. It's so good to be back here on the writer's block. Really excited to have everybody. Um, I would love to get us started here. We'll welcome Brandon, my co-host. And uh, Brian's already here too. Great to see you, Brian. I know that you are uh, a little busy, so we'll expect some listening. And hopefully, before you're all done or before we're all done, we'll get some uh, questions and comments out of you too. All right, hopefully I got Brandon hooked up here as a co-host. Took me a second this time, no worries. Girl, okay. that, <laughs> technical difficulties to say the least. Like, what that, that is an understatement. I had everything ready and I was looking at another website so I could get some more ideas for tonight's discussion. And I came back and yeah, my uh, my lovely setup was all gone, so I had to redo it really quickly. So I was well, kind of scrambling. Not even like let me be co-host. So what's going on? Are you kicking me off? You're not letting me be the co-host. Rude. You know I'm letting you be the co-host. No stress. Yes. Yes. I'm finally just getting home. Are you kidding me? No. Wow. I'm just sitting down to eat. I just cracked open a white claw. Very nice. We're going to have our discussion tonight as I get settled into my chair. Sounds marvelous. Yes. So last week's episode opened up with what we're currently reading. And while I appreciate that, I don't want to open up with that every week because, you know, it gets boring. Let's just be honest with that, right? You can only read so many books so fast. Absolutely. So... Don't mind me while I get settled here. So what are you suggesting, Brandon? So I am a big component of whatever it is, proponent. Proponent. Of, <laughs> um, current events. And today, and this made me think, and we're not going to make this political because that's not what we do here. Uh, it made me think Josh Holly or Haley, however you pronounce his name. Suggested a new bill to the to Senate or Congress, Congress, I believe, um, that it doesn't matter. I'm not going to go into it, but he named it Pelosi's Law. And clearly that's a dig at Pelosi. Yes. It made me think, how important are titles? Ooh, that is a big one. And that here's, is a big one. And here's why I think it's a big one. It's not only when you go to the bookstore or you go online shopping on Amazon, you have hundreds of thousands of titles to choose from. Now, you can narrow that down by genre and age category and all of that, but you still end up with so many books to choose from. So aside from the cover and reading the back cover copy, um, I really rely somewhat heavily on the title of these books because to me, the title gives me an inkling or an idea of what I'm getting myself into. See, and that was my point. I wanted to be, because I don't think he titled it properly because I think for what he wants out of it, which I haven't read it, so I can't really ultimately tell you what it's about but i can give you the gist of it it's, not, it's irrelevant at this point but i was just curious like what are some books that you've read or anybody brian or helen that you've read that the title's kind of deceiving right so you, you don't get what you think you're going to get out of the out of the book based on the title so what, what do you think jake um I can't think of any off the top of my head that I got into and I was like, oh, this is different. Um, I will say though, that a good title really gets me excited to read the book. Um, I have noticed and been 
it's been really fascinating to me over the last probably five or six years, the, and probably even a little bit longer than that, the titles, especially in the middle grade market, have gotten longer and longer and longer. It used to be you could get away with one or two words, and now it's these huge uh, descriptions, basically, which I don't think is a bad thing. These kids go to the library, and unless their parent or a librarian is helping them, they have to decide which books they want to read. And from my perspective, I love the fact that these kids have enough information in the title to at least pick up the book and read the back cover. So when you say long titles, are you talking... Let me think. I'm going to use Harry Potter as a a reference, right? So, like, are you thinking, like, a series where it's, like, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone or Harry Potter and this? Or are you thinking, like, I can't even think of one off the top of my head. But (laughs) are you thinking more, or are you thinking more series? Are you thinking more, and how relevant is that to the series where the titles are consistent? You know, actually, a lot of these longer titles are like one-offs they're they're a single standalone novel and i actually love it once again because it tells you so much about what the story is about in a way and for kids especially when they're trying to find something that resonates with them that they can connect to i feel like it's really important that they aren't disappointed when they pick up a book that they've checked out from the library or purchased from the bookstore because they kids in a lot of ways are fickle they will pick something up and they'll say oh never mind this isn't for me but when you have a title that's engaging that tells them a little bit some just something more than just danger you know like you would never name a kid's book danger necessarily because really what do the kids know about what's inside See, sorry, I'm trying to eat here too. Um, I, I just back to the kids are fickle. I don't think that I think they just they have a shorter attention span, so it's harder as uh, we as authors to hold their attention span and really engage them in readers. And I think that title is the first step to that. I think with the use of technology, while we have plenty of good with it, there's that flip side to it where it's there is shorter attention span because it's like, oh, this this is no longer holding my interest. I'm going to move on to something else. It's that quick hold, like, I don't even know what word I'm trying to use. It's that quick attention. Yeah, it's great for maybe 30 seconds, right? And then you they move on. So if you can draw somebody in with a good title and a good cover, I think even if they'd pick up the book and read the back, I think by that point they're already – really invested into well this seems interesting there's something about it that draws it in so it's that magical touch of a great title for either a standalone or a series and then on top of that you got to have that really good cover i just what do you what do you think jake what does anybody else think i mean you're all welcome this is an open space you can talk about whatever you want please your comments and questions are open just request and one of us will allow you i hate using that because it's but you will be able to speak so that that's all i wanted to say i mean it was just an idea in my head jake you're muted and i know you're trying to say something i just don't know what you're trying to say i love when i'm muted it's so much fun um, <laughs> i was just gonna say that it is absolutely <laughs> awesome that we can have these starter conversations kind of get the ball rolling and then move on from there Um, I know Brian's a little busy still. Bill, it's so good to see you. Hope you're enjoying our show so far, and I hope you get a lot out of it. Uh, Bill's one of my buddies that writes uh, Middle Grade. Uh, He's also written, I believe, one adult novel as well. Um, But Bill is in my group called The Mighty Ducks, um, which brings us into this lovely segue of how to find quality beta readers and critique partners. Brandon has, again, some really strong opinions about this. 
And I love the fact that Brandon has strong opinions because a lot of times I don't. And so uh, I can be a little wishy-washy on what I want out of critique partners, beta readers, and all of that. But Brandon has some specifics that he's going to tell you about. I, you know, me, anybody who knows me knows I'm, when I, I don't speak a whole, I mean, I do speak a whole lot, don't get me wrong, but when I speak passionately and like we all do, it's, there's reasons behind it and it's, it's very valid and Jake always makes fun of me because he's like, you're so opinionated. I am opinionated. That's just how I was raised in my family. We speak our opinions and if they're wrong, they're wrong. We accept it and we move on. So my opinion is on beta readers, I, and we touched very briefly about this last week beta readers are a tough crowd and you want them to be a tough crowd as an author because they're going to give you true insight and when i do mine it is what i ask from my beta readers is i want your initial reaction if you don't like how something's worded i need you to say it if you don't like how i do this i need you to say it but there's a flip side also where if it's you really like this and i need to expand on it Tell me that. I can work on that. But I have, excuse me, I have a few key areas that I definitely like to make sure that I have. One, I want, and they can overlap each other. I want somebody who doesn't write. So I have a friend that doesn't write. She's, she's a teacher, so she doesn't do any writing. I want somebody in my category. I want somebody who does write. And I want somebody who does write but doesn't write in my same genre. That is because I need that cross section of beta readers. And if I can get somebody who doesn't, and I write science fiction specifically, if I can get somebody who typically reads horror to listen or to read my book that's science fiction, that means I've drawn that person in from the crowd. Now, that doesn't work for everybody, but I, I think it's a good, that's one more sale I can do, or one more person I can bring to the science fiction world. Now, my friend that doesn't, that she doesn't write, uh, Misty, she doesn't, she just reads romance. That's all she reads. I got her to read my science fiction novel, and she's actually very interested in it. And, she, you know, so that pulled her in into a genre that she wouldn't normally be, be into. Um, so that's, that being said, I think it's important to get cross genres of beta readers and different levels too. If you can get, um, if you're shooting for a young adult, make sure you're getting a young adult beta reader. If you're getting, um, if you're shooting for the older generation, make sure you get one of those, so on and so forth. So that's, what do we think about that? So from my perspective, at least, and I know Bill wants to hop on here in just a second because he's got a comment. Um, I love the idea of doing the kind of these four separate categories for beta readers. But Brandon, maybe once we uh, hear Bill's comment or question, we can talk about how you specifically found the beta readers that you are using right now. Uh, thank, first of all, thank you both for uh, hosting this. This is a very, very cool conversation. Um, I, I just wanted to say, Brandon, I thought your comments on the ear of the beta reader is really interesting and looking for an outsider's ear to see if they are responding to what you're writing um, is intriguing. Uh, I have to say, though, being part of this uh, Twitter group that Jake and I are a part of where we are working with other writers in our genre, um, writing to the same audience. Um, for me, it's raised a lot of um, uh, important things for me to be thinking about when I'm uh, writing and writing specifically for this genre because these people are focused on same type of writing, same language, same point of views. Um, trying to grab readers in the same way, and it's been enlightening for me to get their input uh, also. So I hear what you're saying, but um, I think there is something to be said for being part of a cohort that is writing toward the same market, the same genre. Um, I found it to be extremely helpful. You know, Bill, I will absolutely agree with you. I love the fact that I have the Mighty Ducks, the, the my middle grade group that we're both a part of. Um, 
I do think though that in addition to finding people that are in the same market, and I love the fact that you pointed out that you are really contemplating and thinking what the rest of us might think um, when you're doing your actual writing, I think that that's a great step towards being prepared and ready for beta readers to actually take a look at your work. For a lot of people, it's really scary when you first go out there and you have somebody that is going to read your work for the first time. Uh, I know when I first got a manuscript finished and I was so excited, my idea of picking beta readers was to ask my mom and one of my friends. And let me tell you that I got some wonderful, wonderful feedback. But that being said, it didn't really help me. It was a nice ego boost, but at the same time, it wasn't something that helped me hone my craft or improve my writing. And I think that's something that's important to remember when you're out there looking for beta readers is the fact that you need somebody who is going to push you. Now, does that mean they have to be a total drill sergeant and absolutely awful to work with and they give you horrible comments all the time? No. I think that finding a healthy balance for you and the balance that works for you, whether that's a very stern person to, to beta read for you that's telling you a lot of things to change, or whether you need some nice little phrases and comments and compliments along the way. And I will say I'm one of the latter. I absolutely love beta readers that will give me compliments here and there. Well, I think, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with Bill. I think it is very important to have readers, beta readers in your own genre, because then you can, you know what you're gearing towards. I'm not disagreeing with that by any means. Um, and I do think that you do need to have that person that's going to push you a little bit harder. And I think that's how we grow as authors. I just, I'm not an overly intelligent person. I'm middle of the ground at best. So those are just things that I do. Uh, I, I do think it is very important to get one in your own cat, like your own genre. That is very important because then they can kind of point stuff out um, and catch catch you on things that you wouldn't normally see. Absolutely. Um, Brian, I know you hopped on here. Do you have a question or a comment? It's interesting. I'm, I, I'm going to come from the other perspective. First of all, I'm off the treadmill, but I'm still in the gym, so if there's background noise. No worries. We're just happy to have you. Uh, okay. Um, so I was asked to read the first 50 pages of a colleague's memoir, and that person is also writing queer memoir. Um, and I specifically asked, are there things that you want me to focus on? What kind of feedback are you looking for? Because their ask was very open-ended. <clears throat> and it was, you know, as I asked, as I drilled into it, his request was, does the first 50 pages make you want to read more? <clears throat> right. And so I start reading it, and it is like a fever dream. And it's just like, there are no emotional beats. It is just go, 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 next thing, I'm like, and I'm like, okay, maybe I'm not the right reader for this because I kind of want you to settle on an emotion for more than a paragraph. And um, <clears throat> it's, it's, you know, it's frenetic. I, that's, that's the first word I used with him was, I think it's a little frenetic. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I also was like, I'm not sure if I can get through more than these first five pages because he's just so... <clears throat> Um, I, you know, I don't even, you know, well, I don't want to repeat the word frenetic, but just so, just, uh, just very dry and emotionless. And, uh, no, 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 it's not, it's that, no, it's not dry and emotionless at all. It is, it is just like a, uh, a, a ricochet of, uh, high energy bouncing around this rubber room. And I'm like, where where are we as where are you as the writer? Where are you? Where, you know, we're just like I want you to settle on something. Pick pick 
one emotion. Pick one topic to write about. Boom, 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 boom. All around this room of very different, you know, of, of sexuality, of emotion, of, of upbringing, of uh, lots of Broadway references, Broadway show references, which I'm loving, of course, because I, you know, I am that queen. But uh, it's like yes, queen. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. But I'm like. I, I, I want to say in a polite and affirming way, I need you to slow down. Another thing that distracts me really badly is that it's like not formatted very well. <clears throat> and, you know, oh, he's like, oh, but I'm going to release it as an ebook. I said, it still needs to be formatted. <laughs> you, need, you still need paragraphs and, and uh, you know, a sense of, of where the text sits on the page. And, and there's, no, there's no section breaks. It's all just stream of consciousness and i'm like you know i james joyce was great at what he did but i don't know that you're making this work um absolutely so, right um but anyway that that was that happened to me this past week and i'm still trying to navigate how to respond so, to this very dear person and his very sincere request but at the same time wow so brian i purposefully kind of uh poked you a little bit on that one um, uh, because I mean, I mean, what's it like to write emotionless, Jake? What's it? I like don't know, Brandon. What is it like to, <laughs> to write emotionless? I, that's Brian. I say that as somebody who I write like that, and Jake's been working with me on getting that emotion through because that's what we connect to as readers. And for me, I've told him, and you. I need you to I need you to push me. I need you to prod me on this cuz I'm struggling with it and I think for your friend I think that's very a conversation that you you need to have of do you, I think you it, and be open and honest if it doesn't make you this doesn't make me want to read more tell him tell him why. I'm not emotionally connecting to these character to this character and I need you to slow down on this cuz I write Jake, how do you how do you even explain my So Brandon is very good at um, laying out a scene and hitting the beats as far as where people are in the 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 space and he's really great at dialogue. But a lot of times, what I'm missing is the internal emotional beats for each of these characters. You can have the greatest story in the world, but if I can't connect to your character, it just ends up falling really flat. Mm. Ryan, I was going to bring up too, part of the reason yeah. that I poked you a little bit on that is because I think a lot of people have the idea in their head that any beta reader will do. And I think beta, <laughs> and I think beta readers specifically wants so badly to give feedback in a positive light but it is okay for you to say you know what i i just can't do this one and brian i actually had one of those this past weekend i have a very dear friend on twitter her name is m uh we talk a lot she sends cards back and forth with me and uh she has this awesome thriller but it deals with a lot of hard topics that are a bit triggering for me yeah and because yeah, yeah. of that i had to write back and say you know what i made it through the first chapter and a half but i can't be your beta reader on this but and i always love to, to add the but or an and i would be so happy to do it on a different project yeah so you sound like you sound like an agent. Huh. <laughs> a couple of the past. <laughs> this I, isn't the right book for me, but I do want you to come back with your next project. I'm like, oh, oh. I oh. will take that as a very sincere compliment coming from you. Okay. That, okay. That's kind of a compliment. Good for you, Jake. I don't get those compliments when I beta read. <laughs> well, mine are always like, well, that's a little harsh i'm like well you need i mean it's not me being harsh it's just me being blunt yeah it's not meant to be mean it's you need this constructive criticism for you to be able to grow as an author that's what we all need to do one of the best pieces of advice i got from from somebody i worked with in a mentorship relationship um 
was, you know, he would go through the book and he'd say, this seems like it should be more important. Why are you, what does it tell the reader that you're not able to sit with this uh, and are, are rushing on to the next topic? Uh, you know, and, and I go, oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, oh. Um, and just instead talk more about what the, what the experience was and without doing a whole lot of telling. Um, but still, getting into it, letting, sitting in that space room. Uh, it looks like my husband is ready to move on, so I better mute myself. All right, so I agree with a lot of what Brian and Brandon, both of you guys, are saying. Um, I would like to bring up a kind of a twist on the topic now and kind of pivot. Brandon, tell our listenership kind of how you have found your critique partners and beta readers. I know that's a big question that a lot of, especially new writers are asking is, well, where do I find these people? Well, I think it's important to, um, I'm gonna, hold on. <laughs> I think it's important to reach out to your community. Like we all have we all have those friends that like to read and maybe send a copy to them. And they're, they're of course, going to be the ones that are like, oh, it's great. It's amazing. Yes, but I need you to be harsh. Or, not, I, again, not harsh, but blunt. Um, some constructive criticism would be great. On the other hand, we've all made those friends on Twitter and on social media. And just ask them. I don't think there's any problem with asking and if they have time they have time if they don't that's perfectly fine as well i think that's the beauty of social media is would you like to read a free book you know and it doesn't have to be the whole thing um i, I do mine on google google drives google space google docs <laughs> google docs <laughs> very nice <laughs> and i i those comments that they make really help me like, okay, and it really, especially when my beta readers highlight a certain section, like, hey, this is done really well, write more like this, or this is done really badly, don't write like this. Those really help me narrow it down and focus on that particular section. And I think when you can do that, you can slowly, the, the novel or your story slowly starts to evolve and go to the next level when you can just a little bit here and there. And your editing actually moves very quickly when you can do that because you don't get lost in all the, the white noise of the book. It's just focus on this sentence. Rewrite this sentence, even if it's in the same paragraph. Move on to the next sentence or a couple sentences later. This sentence is done really badly. Rewrite it like that first one. And then you, you can redo it. And I think that helps us as authors actually move through the editing process quicker when you have that sort of feedback on there. Now, here's a comment for you and kind of like a different point of view is there a time when people are are giving you too many comments or um when they're giving you not enough comments and how do you deal with that as an author handling that with a beta reader now i am not a professional author by any means i think from an author's standpoint when you don't have enough comments that's to me is hold on brandon hold on have you or have you not <laughs> published a book? I have published then a book. Then you're an author. <laughs> I mean full-time. What I mean is it's, I'm a full-time author. Um, I think for a book that doesn't have a whole lot of comments, especially if it's early stages, I don't want to say that's concerning, but that's kind of a red flag for me where it's like I'm not getting what I want out of this beta reader or what I need. I need to know is this doing well? Is this doing bad? Of course, we always want those positive affirmations back. But quick note, I think. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Ryan. I am about to start the car and drive home. So if I pop out of existence, I will be back. No worries. Okay. Sounds good. I think for me, there's not too many comments because that means either I'm being pushed that much harder. I think we need to remember that as authors. There's not. Yeah, if you look at it as a whole, it's overwhelming, but take it one comment at a time. And then you can, again, slowly, it starts to build and focus on 
I do mine as, okay, I'm going to take all the easy stuff first, knock those out, and then slow, and then I get back into it. I may get it done on a Friday and be like, I'm going to take the weekend, let my brain reset, and then I jump back in on a Monday, and then I start working on the harder ones, because they do take a little bit longer, and they take a lot out of you as an author. Absolutely. It's uh, just so everybody has a heads up, doing, <laughs> dealing with critique, dealing with beta readers' comments and critique partners' comments, and trying to incorporate those edits and suggestions is exhausting. If you get through a page or two, be so excited it about is. that. Don't, yes. don't be super hard on yourself. Try to take your time. And I know as authors, we're all trying to rush to get something done so that we can publish it or send it to the next agent. And I'm going to encourage you to take your time. Now, Brandon, with your beta readers, I want, especially with new authors, or especially when you are so excited to have, you know, to have your work read and to, to take it to that next step, and you're just anxious, it's, I think a lot of people tend to take whoever they can that is willing to read their manuscript. Why should you not do that? Oh, Lord. That's a, I love the questions that you catch me off guard on. We kind of have this love-hate relationship going on. I think with, with a beta reader, a quality beta reader is somebody who's going to say, listen, I can get you in. It's going to take me a little bit to read it. Um, and somebody who, uh, that's why I look for authors because they can push you and they, they know what you are looking, they should understand what you're looking for as an author and having that positive and negative feedback. When I say negative, I don't, you know, constructive criticism. Yes. I think having that quality you don't want to throw a, you don't want to throw it out there to too many people because then your work's out there and it's not your best work. And then you're, you're kind of dinging yourself on sales because one thing you should do as when you're working with someone, especially a beta reader, I always send them a copy of my, of my book. Like here, thank you. I appreciate your, this is my way of thanking you for helping me get to this step and mentioning them in that front, um, edited by or what have you. Um, you want that somebody that's going to look at it with a very critical eye and then they can expand on it on areas that you may not feel 100% about. And I, as a beta reader and Jake, I've, I've beta read some of your stuff and I don't know how I am, but I, here's my initial reaction to this sentence. Cause I don't know what's going to happen in the rest of the story. And it really is. What's the beta, what's the reader to understand. And there's some scenes and I, I, I'm thinking of one of your stories in particular. I think it was for that show we both auditioned yep. for. Uh, where I was like, this, I don't like this description because you had this person up, up here and they can explain that why. Up here you had that. They were here, but and this is the visual I was getting, but now you have them here and you never either made that transition or you described it wrong in the first place. And I think... As someone who, and I don't want to say as people who just read, but as people who don't write, that gets lost in translation sometimes. And having those author friends that can say, listen, wait, you didn't make a transition here. And it's those small de details that can make or break um, a beta, a quality beta reader and help push your story from one level to the next. Absolutely. I love that. And um, I'd like to add that if you are looking for beta readers, make sure that the person that you are sending your story to is reliable, that you give them a time yes. frame and give them some parameters, I guess, is a way to put it, um, so that they just aren't left wallowing out there trying to figure out what it is you're actually asking for or need from a beta reader. Like, there's there are so many people out there and I'm going to use again, that, that first manuscript that I finished and I gave it to my mom. She read the whole thing and said, Oh my gosh, it's wonderful. And she gave me probably throughout the entire book, 
20 spots where she would add a comma or something. And it was absolutely... <laughs> like, okay, this doesn't help me, Mom. It, like, was, it Mom. was not helpful at all. Like, she got it done in two days, which, you know, I love her for that. But it was not... At the end of the day, she might as well not have read it. Yeah, I mean, I'm all about a time frame, but you also don't want to be like, I need this done in a week. That's not fair for you as an author to expect someone to kind of make this book your life. They're doing it, generally they're doing it free of charge or they're doing it because they want to help you. So you do have to give them some realistic time frames of, hey, thank you. I mean, if you're paying them, that's different, but we're all about being free here and finding free services and stuff like that. Like, that's what we do here. Um, Because authors are struggling, right? Absolutely. So I I think, (laughs) I think having that and giving them that, well, as soon as you can get it, but I would like it within the next, I I generally month and a half. You, You should be able to finish it within a month and a half. It is a very tight I shouldn't say tight, but it's it's a it's a good amount of time, but it's not out of the realm of possibility for someone to beta read a story, even though you're looking at it with a very critical eye and getting through it. Absolutely. Um, Pat, thanks for joining us. If you have questions or comments, feel free to uh, make a request and we'll add you in right away. Um, I would also like to pick up on something that you said, Brandon, is that most of us are not paying for beta readers. There is, there, there are a lot of websites out there um, where you can actually pay to have somebody beta read your novel. Uh, the problem with that is, is that there's no standards to which they're compared. Yep. And uh, you don't really know what you're getting besides reviews. And so I would like to think that... Um, I would like to think that there are enough people in the writing community that you could reach out to. And I say that with the idea that social media is out here. Obviously we're on Twitter, on Spaces right now. If you're on Twitter, there are so many people in the writing community and I guarantee you can find someone who writes your genre or somebody who is interested in your genre. Um, and those are the types of people that you can latch on to. And for a lot of us, beta reading is a two-way street, which I love. I can send my work to Brandon, and Brandon can send his work to me. And together, we can each provide a service for each other. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think it's – we all connect with people – authors are inherently introverts right and i think it's it's finding that someone that you're like hey listen i can have that open and honest relationship with you and it's not going to hurt our friendship and using that to each other's advantage of this is how i interpret this and so on i think that's one of the beautiful things of social media so gentlemen i am at home on my lovely white leather sofa um (laughs) you bitch (laughs) pressing the recline button now um and i have a set of questions i think there's about 10 of them that i send to beta readers um i have worked with well i have sent these rather i should say to um four people at like around the third draft of the book one person um, one person gave interesting feedback. She said, "She said it was a little bit hard to keep all the different men I've slept with, pardon the phrase, straight." Um, <laughs> Love but, it. Love right, it. Right, because they're all Japanese names. It's like, huh? Um, so I got that. I got that. But then uh, two other people didn't didn't finish reading, and I understood that sign. You know, you're busy women i get that but then my the the fourth person is actually somebody who appears in the book and he was like oh my god i love this i remember these things um and he would give little bits of grammatical feedback um and then at a later stage he read like 
a eighth revision, and he's like, "Oh, uh, hmm, you've you've changed things, and I I I don't remember. You know, this this conversation seems a little bit less powerful than it did the last time." I said, "Actually, I didn't change that piece at all, <laughs> but okay." Um, it must be the it must be the the, the way the, the it, it flows in the book that that made it seem strange. He's also ready to take the next set of revisions when I finish them. So that's good. I get actual feedback on on some from somebody who was there for a lot of the things that happened in the book. Um, but but he's also very on the oh I love it I love it I love it school and I you're right I need somebody who's a little bit more unkind. Um, so I'm, I'm always weary about people that are, it's great. It's amazing. It's like, no, it's, yeah. I, I, as an author, I know it's not amazing at this point because it's, <laughs> I can't, I it can't be amazing when it's on its fifth draft. There's no way, mm. just no way. I, I think that's finding somebody who you can have, again, have that emotion. I don't want to say emotional connection, but you can have that honest opinion and they can give you that constructive criticism. It is key, and they're just taken out enough of your life. Because I try, I try not to do family members. Because of course, family members oh. are really close. For I mean, Missy's a really close friend, but <laughs> we've developed that relationship where we can have that be blunt with each other. Um, and it, it, they have to be able to. I need constructive criticism, not just grammatical stuff. Like, does this flow well? How does this sound? Does this description make sense? And what I have found helpful is if I see a picture of something, I will highlight it and I'll put a note on that section and co and link it to, and just copy and paste the link to the website or wherever you found the picture on that. This is how I'm, this is what I'm trying to describe. Do you see it like that? Mm -hmm. And I have found that actually helps out a lot because they're like, no, that's not how I see it okay, well, then I need to change it up a little bit. I need to change this or what have you. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that I have found has been very helpful, especially for people that haven't, weren't there. Um, mm -hmm. I don't let know where just, I was going with that. <laughs> let me just share a, a very brief anecdote about sharing with my family. This is a very vulnerable memoir, and I talk a lot about having sex as a teenager. And my sister and my aunt and my stepfather were like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I had no idea you went through these things. How, I wish we had been able to support you better. Meanwhile, my mother comes back and she's like, I don't think I should read this. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, Mom, that's fine. Glad, thank you for telling me. I, that's, that's fine. Um, she said, I don't, there are things I just don't want to know about you, Brian. <laughs> Which is completely so, understandable. Absolutely. I love her. Bless her. Uh, Brian, I have a question for you. When you sent out these 10 questions or so to your beta readers, and have you got? Did I do something wrong? Is, have I left? Is nobody speaking? Brian, can you hear me? Brian, I think you're having an issue with hearing because we're talking <laughs> no okay okay well now it's okay. back so, okay. so brian my question to you was when you have this list of questions that you send to your beta readers have you had people answer the questions in I quite, although i can't hear jake at all hmm. see <laughs> brian can you hear me oh yes i can i love your voice oh um, thank you <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I grew it myself. I appreciate that. <laughs> I think Jake's going to ask, and I don't know if it's... I'm going to make the assumption here, Jake, that you're going to ask what these kind of questions were that um, um. Brian is referring to. Are they like, I need you to answer these questions first before I send you the work, or are they just... No, no. no. So, okay. I, 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 have, I don't remember all ten of them. But they were more like along the lines of, um, are there things that you didn't need to know um, that you could that your imagination could have filled in? And you know, am, am I telling you too much? For example, um, 
at this point in the book, do you understand, or do you, A, do you want to read more, but also do you understand, do you have an idea of what will be happening next? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, do you, are the characters relatable? Um, are there, um, the other thing I do in my writing is very um, different. It's I don't use quotation marks at all. And oh. I put, I put every all spoken dialogue in italics. And some people, it bothers the crap out of them. Um, but other, most people get used to it very quickly. And I, I, I always ask, does this bother you? Were you able to adapt? Um, even my mentor was like on the first page of the book, his feedback, his feedback was like, why are, what is this internal? What, you know? And then he's like, Oh, now I get it. Okay. I, I think that, I mean, I, I do a lot of internal dialogue, so I have to have that differentiation between the two. So yeah. that would take me a minute to get used to. So, so yes. yeah, I don't do internal. Um, and what I, what was really concerning for me is that a lot of the dialogue in the in especially in the latter half of the book is basically in translation and so what i was saying in japanese i'm not writing in japanese i'm writing it in an english equivalent and so i just got in the habit of italicizing things because this was not an exact quote i didn't feel good about using quotation marks okay and it's just and and also in the very beginning of the book i'm like i don't actually remember if i said it that way or not and so I'm gonna I'm gonna go this way stylistically, and um, you know if if Corm if what's his name, the Irish writer Cormac, um, he doesn't use quotation marks at all, but he's just all set in straight text, not italics. Um, hmm. So I'm I'm doing something new and different too, and I'm like okay, I'm that queen, I'm that queen. Own it, queen. Do make your you know <laughs> do your do your shit right. Yeah. I I think I I mean I. It would take some getting used to, but if that's your style, then own it, run with it. Like I said last mm-hmm. week, I said, you know, that's the beauty about being an independent author. You can do your own stuff and not have to worry about what the the norms, quote unquote, are for our genre, because you're writing mm-hmm. a memoir, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So I'm not a big memoir reader, but I think if if that's how you want to write it, write it like that. That's I think that's important to if that's how again if that's important to you as the author that's that's great do it brian i have another question if you can hear me i'm guessing that i'm gonna take that i'm gonna take that as a no (laughs) i'm gonna take that as a no too i have really hoped i'm still not hearing i'm not not hearing jake i wish i could (laughs) jake go ahead and ask your question then i'll repeat it to uh repeat it to him that way he can hear it absolutely um my question is, can you give us four or five attributes of a great beta reader? All right. <laughs> this is so funny. All right. Uh, Jake wants to know, uh, Brian, can you give four or five attributes of a great beta reader? Can I give four or five attributes of a what, of a great what? Beta reader. Oh, um, curiosity. Um, um, <sighs> hmm. um, someone who reads at the same level. Um, the last thing I want to read is, is, oh, I don't, I don't understand all these big words. Um, that would be me. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, somebody um thoughtful like somebody who's who's gonna not just do a surface read right um and also somebody um who uh you know i really i trust the relationship right i i i know that they're going to give me um honest uh and helpful feedback um because i know who they are as a person um I like that. That sounds good. Hmm. Audio, audio. 
Well, I'll just be the go-between. You can just be the go-between, Brandon. <laughs> I'll be the go-between. Jake's con- everyone's confused about why why Brian came here, Jake, and I think that's you know, there's just times I got I got I don't want to hear Jake, but I need to hear him and he can just deal with that. Rude. <laughs> Hang on. Let me let me leave and then come back. All right. See if we'll that fixes minute, it. Brian. We'll see you in a minute, Brian. So Jake, what do you look for in a beta reader? So I honestly have way thinner skin than you do, Brandon. I need a beta reader who is going to give me the hard stuff, but I need to have it sandwiched in between lots and lots of compliments and and encouragement. Um, It's something that I appreciate and love uh, is when I have, I have two beta readers, two critique partners that are phenomenal that are part of the mighty ducks. We're a small little subset called the mallards. And Steph, oh my god, yeah, I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) And we have Steph and Jess, and both of them are phenomenal critique partners. And they'll go along, and like you said, they're giving me initial reactions as they go along and read, which I feel like is so important. Um, yeah, to be able to get initial reactions and not have it be a delayed response or have them second guess it or overthink it and so to me right. i love when jess and steph are like oh my gosh i just screamed i was so excited and they're saying you know they're like oh i love this part this is so good and you know in between there there is the you know this sentence is really repetitive if you could actually change this up that would be great yeah so for me a good beta reader is uh, like Brian said, somebody that I can trust, um, that their opinion is something that matters to the genre that I'm writing and the style that I'm writing. Um, Steph is one of my critique partners, but she doesn't really read fantasy. She's totally a contemporary girl. And uh, she read my fantasy, though, and really enjoyed it. And I loved having her jump in there because she doesn't read that typically and so it gave a whole nother perspective i i think that's if i could if i could recommend one thing that would be it get somebody who yes it is important to get people in your genre and yes it is important to get an author and somebody who doesn't read or doesn't write um as in an author aspect i think it's find somebody who doesn't read your genre and see what they have to say. Because if they, if you can hook somebody who doesn't read your genre, you're pulling in some, like, you're bringing in new sales to that whole era, right? Era. To that whole, to your genre. Yeah. Which is hard to do. It is hard to do. I think pulling people from other genres, especially genres that they're really comfortable with or they like it right. because they write it themselves, um, is a mm-hmm. big deal, not only for for traditionally published authors, but for indie authors especially as well. I think being able to write a story and having critique partners and beta readers that are able to help you get that story to a point where genre becomes a moot point is awesome. Yes, I would agree. I think there's some stories like and i'm gonna go back to misty here she she had never seen star wars i'm gonna use star wars as a as my go-to point here and i knew she didn't like sci-fi and i I was like how have you never seen any star wars movies like that's kind of a standard nowadays now jake i don't believe you've seen star wars (laughs) i have seen all the star wars (laughs) okay okay (laughs) i i think she had never seen any of them, and I said, I think you would like it because of this love story. Now, I hooked her with that. Like, there's this really good love story, and it's, it's you know, and I, I think of Leia and um, Han Solo. Absolutely. And, you know, there's, and then in the prequel, the, the, there's love story all the way through. said, if you focus on that, the backdrop isn't important, right? It's, it's a love story. 
and you just follow the story along. Now, it happens to be in space, and it happens to be all these robots and aliens and stuff like that. But those, like you said, become a moot point, and focus on this, and you will see how actually it's really a tragic story of kind of a family and what they're going through and how they they grow into power and they kind of fall apart and stuff like that. And she gave it a try, and she's like, I loved it. I didn't even... I said, I think when people think sci-fi, they're going to think, oh, it's way out there. They think extreme version, right? It's like, it's, it is it is it is kind of far out there because it's a, in a galaxy far, far away, but you have this beautiful tale of this kind of Greek-ish sort of tragedy going on. And it, it's, a, it's a really good story. So. I, w- I would agree with that. And I'd put, th- and I'd put forward that a really well-told story can ascend genre. It just doesn't matter at that point whether you like the genre or not. If it is a great story well-told, it will be everything to everybody. I, I would agree with that. It fits, yes. Now, there's there are some stories that don't cross over into genre, like different genres, but there's some that claim to that. Yes. So just a just a quick little clarification. Actually, Star Wars is based on Japanese films. Um, Lucas got really hooked on the Seven Samurai and and other Kurosawa films, and that family dynamic that he saw in those films is what he wanted to bring into his Star Wars. So, oh. so it's actually Japan in space. <laughs> I love that. Um, Brian. Yes. Do you feel like there are specific genres or beta readers from different cultures that are worthwhile to hop into reading your manuscript? Should we be looking for people from different cultures? Um, hmm. That's a really good question. I would probably want to get somebody um, Japanese who, you know, can read English well enough. Um, I, you know, I, I will ask my husband to read parts of it that are like, okay, are, are the memories accurate? Um, but, um, you know, just this whole depiction of of gay life in Tokyo in the uh, late eighties and early nineties. Um, am I, am I getting this right? Um, and I think that might be a little bit of a challenge to find that person. Although Todd helps me with, you know, the person who lived through most of the book with me, he helps me, he keeps me on, on track to a certain extent. I think, um, I think somebody who is a fan of love stories, um, or romance, I guess. Um, I kind of want to hear their feedback because the big arc is, you know, me growing out of fear and grief and terror into somebody who not only loves themselves, but loves somebody else and does it right. Um, or, you know, whatever counts as right these days. Um, the I would be a horrible beta reader for you because I... well. Now I hate I hate love it's stories. not it's I but, but 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 <laughs> but at least the first two thirds of the book is about my terrible life. Um and I think you will get um well I mean maybe you'll get the vicarious thrills of of my trashy sex life in both the United States and Japan. Um but <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about the trashy sex See? life. I'm, I go. love it. There we go. Um <laughs> So you just got to know how to focus on yeah. that. Like, okay, there's this undertow yeah. of love. Okay. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I mean, I haven't thought about that, Jake, and that's a really good question. Um, so thank I, you for... I think it's one that we will uh, end up posing to our listenership and all of Twitter writing community out there. Um, we're kind of wrapping up on time here, so I just mm-hmm. wanted to close out with if you are struggling to find beta readers or critique partners, I dare you to contact Brandon or I from the writer's block and we will help you 
find ways to find these amazing people who will help your story get to the next level. Yeah. I'm all about helping. I mean, we, that's why we're here. It's kind of the point of the whole show. I mean, geez, Brandon. I mean, I mean, yes, it's the point of the whole show, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I'll have to send a link later to the, to, uh, the helping song from Free to Be You and Me. Perfect. Yes. Well, it was great talking with everybody. Let's go ahead and wrap this up, and we will see you next week on the Writer's Block. Thank you. Yeah, see everyone next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.